0: You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We, the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone, and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 322, we're discussing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Carlos. And man, here we are, the next big MCU tentpole in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Following up from not only Spider-Man No Way Home, but also WandaVision, Doctor Strange 1, and all the other MCU stories seemingly built into what could be called a true sequel to Doctor Strange, and we will get into that little piece there, but Carlos, man... Happy to have you here. We're gonna do a full episode review. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man.
1: I, I didn't know if we would get here because uh, finding time to see it was uh, a bit of a a bit of a conundrum. But uh, here we are, fresh off the release of the movie, and uh, ready to go. Give something to listeners.
0: Yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to this one. I actually had quite a bit of fun in this movie. I went in with relatively low expectations, but we're going to do this a little different than we have in the past. As we have been evolving our formula inside of the new room, trying and experimenting new things, we're going to actually try to apply that formula that we've been using over the past couple episodes directly to our review episode. So there's going to be no This Week in Nerd, no Our weekend Nerd. This is going to be a full podcast structured around a review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And we're not going to waste any time. We're going to go straight into the film here. So, Carlos, what are your thoughts? High-level thoughts here. I'm going to steal a cue from you, uncork it a little bit. But let's let's start off with that piece of it.
1: High level thought. It's because you have no idea what I thought of the movie. That's that's why I have, I have not to go first. To you about and, this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I haven't and I haven't said boo about it online or anything. But uh, honestly, some of it was probably the finest filmmaking I've seen come out of the MCU with some really inventive things and things that I really had to commend and I just absolutely adored. And then other things that I felt uh, they let their foot off the gas a little bit and were resting on their laurels, and uh, it was some of the stuff I I liked the least in the Marvel pantheon. Wow. So I'm gonna make you suffer right till the end of this thing to figure out which way the the needle tips for me.
0: Wow, man. Okay, that's got me excited. It got me intrigued as to what could be coming here. Because like you said, I've not heard a single word from you about this. And I didn't even want to ask you yesterday because yesterday was your birthday. So happy birthday, man. I didn't want to pander you with, did you see Multiverse Madness? Are we reviewing it tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm I'm quite intrigued here to figure that out. And for me, I put some of my thoughts out there online, high level thoughts. I, I quite enjoyed this film. I went in with relatively reasonable expectations. I didn't find myself overly consumed by the buildup to this one that I have in the past with even Disney Plus shows or some of the bigger MCU films. I did the same thing with No Way Home and came out of that very, very pleased as well. I will say this exceeded my expectations. I did not really know what I was getting into. I had an idea because we talk about these things, but the direction they went almost immediately out of the gate really surprised me and had me hooked from minute one all the way through to a relatively short runtime of just under two hours and so very swift filmmaking here and I enjoy this this sits much much higher than at least some of my personal favorites when it comes to Doctor Strange much much higher than the original iteration or the first film in this Doctor Strange franchise that is for sure so Let's keep this moving here. Box office, another thing that blew my mind about this film. It walked out with $187 million opening weekend, and it's already over $200 million domestically, which puts it as the highest, 11th highest opening of all time. And it is the largest jump between a debut or a solo first outing, which in the Doctor Strange world made $85 million, and then jumping $100 million to its second or it's franchise second film here. And so that's that's massive. And its entire run, Doctor Strange 2016, only made, not only, but made $232 million. So by this weekend, this movie will have already surpassed the entire lifetime gross, domestic gross, of Doctor Strange 1. So big box office was not expecting a number of that size. But is this to be unexpected right now? Like, Does that make sense to you?
1: Yeah, because I don't think you look at these Marvel movies especially post um Endgame or even before that like as individual films anymore, right? No. Like you have Wanda who's arguably their most popular character coming out of um not only Endgame but then uh, WandaVision as kind of a co-lead in this movie, right? So yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely surprised it's not completely a solo movie either. Uh, it's not Captain America Civil War, but um, yeah, and you're you're riding high, uh, coming off of Spider-way, Spider-Man No Way Home, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, right up until opening night, there is rumors swirling that Tobey Maguire is going to show up <laughs> in this thing and, and all sorts of other um, innuendos as to what they were going to showcase. And the promise of the, quote-unquote, multiverse of madness really got people's imaginations going. So, yeah, I'm not entirely surprised. And, like, I don't know what the last bonafide solo MCU movie would be, to be honest with you.
0: You'd have to probably go all the way back to maybe phase two to find something. Like, you could probably consider... Like Ant-Man and the
1: Wasp, maybe. It's pretty... Yeah. It's all homegrown, right? Even though you introduce hope. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, and that's not here nor there but i think it's one of those where the the rising tide lifts all boats so mm-hmm. that's good but interestingly it only got a b plus cinema score which is the second lowest for the mcu um tied with thor i guess and above only eternal so that uh that was a bit of rare ground and coming out of doctor strange I didn't really follow the reviews or the reactions too, too closely, but it seemed to be a little more mixed than anybody anticipated, myself included. Um, I don't know. What did you think of that?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Like B+, when we look at the grounds that we usually put these movies in and how we factored in our own rating system here, relative rating system, that feels about right to me. Like it's in a relative to a cinema score, which are usually A's and A minuses. I don't know, like this doesn't feel like with the impact of say your Tobey Maguire and or Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in No Way Home. This feels about on par to me with No Way Home in in my kind of personal opinion. There, like, Yeah, I don't, I don't see a huge divergence away from the filmmaking or the quality of the film or even the story to a degree.
1: Yeah, like I don't like with score. they're not actually people aren't actually just grading the quality of the film. Right. Mm-hmm. So the letter grade that they arrive at is based on things like, yeah, did you enjoy the movie is one of them, but would you recommend this movie to a friend? Would you Ooh. buy this movie on video? Those are the things that arrive at the score. So it's not giving people a piece of paper and asking them to score it A, B, C, or D. Okay. Um, based on what they saw, it's actually um, a whole bunch of metrics and then based on how people scored those things that's how they arrive at the letter grade so rule of thumb is is that anything any version of an A for an opening night crowd for a genre film you're pretty safe but any version mm-hmm. of a B is kind of questionable ground because your most invested most hyped um most devoted audience are going to be the guys that show up day yeah. 1 that pre-bought their tickets all those types of things so it's a fairly accurate predictor of um week-to-week drops and kind of what the legs look like for movies i don't know that i predict a big drop but a b plus is it's rare territory for the mcu for sure interesting yeah
0: interesting well we'll see how this plays out i guess in the box office and the follow-up like i only saw no way home once i don't plan on seeing this again i'm kind of a one and done guy in the theater Mm -hmm. comes to most of these films and yeah that we can drop it'll be interesting now that you contextualize some of the the cinema score there which i'm not totally in tune with i i would be interested to hear what people have to say about it that is on the negative side because to be honest with you as we go through this there's not a whole bunch i'm gonna pick at there's a few little things But I would say overall, this is like a super enjoyable MCU installment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's interesting. Like out of the, the four people that I kind of gauged to who kind of threw the reviews at me are two co-hosts. Like Sanjay hated the first two acts, but loved the ending. Troy liked the beginning, but hated the rest of the movie. I was kind of in the middle of them. And then. Yeah, it kinda of went from there with with my other buddy who's kind of a fanboy too. So it, it seems like things are all over the place, but yeah, the cinema score anybody who's interested, just kinda do a bit of reading up on cinema score and what it determines and how they come to that because it's not just uh Oh, I really liked it. Here's an A or mm. that's that sucks. Here's an F. It's it's actually a weighted criteria okay. based on a whole bunch of stuff. Like even would you buy this movie and watch it at home? Would you watch it on streaming kind of thing? So
0: Interesting, interesting. Well, we'll have to dig into that a little bit more as we we see this run on a little bit. But I guess one of the things that was a bit divergent for this film was, and maybe you can enlighten me a little bit here because I don't see as much of it, but a lot of people talking about the stylistic DNA of Sam Raimi being inside of this film. You know, a lot of things felt familiar to me, but there's definitely a fingerprint of Raimi on here when it comes to the shots, the way things are angled up. The story felt MCU to me, but the way that it is portrayed in more of that horror aspect at times, the jump scares, some of the demons, some of the more brutal killings that we do see throughout the film as well. That definitely leans a bit more towards the stylics the stylistic choosings of one Sam Raimi who did direct the original spider-man trilogy so him coming back to this genre to being to bring another big film here with a big story inside of it are you seeing these that that stylistic dna inside of this or like me are you kind of feeling pretty familiar with some shots that are reminiscent of what we've seen in the past from him uh
1: yeah no i felt that this movie definitely had its own voice and its own unique visual style it, it very much harkened back to Sam Raimi movies, not so much the Spider-Man stuff, but you could really see things like the Evil Dead and Army of Darkness in how he presented things, the jump scares, even just the anxiety that he builds with musical cues where he mm-hmm. holds on a shot and the music kind of drops down to nothing or very low tones. And yeah, I I loved it. like if I was to give this movie props for anything or to give this movie props for the things I liked the best, it was absolutely the visuals and how he composed things and how unique some of the elements that played out were with um, things like when Dr. Strange and America Chavez fall through the multiverse, how he framed that mm. up and the transitions there, um, the, uh, the musical fight, in the third act yeah. is honestly one of my favorite things that I've ever seen in in the MCU. I thought it was choreographed really well. I thought it was executed beautifully. And uh, honestly, the way he presented Wanda and her... Not so much transformation, because once she drops the illusion with Doctor Strange and they put a stamp in her being the villain of the movie, uh, she had a a very unique look to her. And every time she was involved in something, it was very menacing. Hmm. And they did some really unique things as to present her as menacing, like when he puts her in the mirror dimension and she's assessing what's going on and then she circumvents the mirror dimension and turns it against them. And even when my favorite scene in the movie plays out and you have this all white background and then all of a sudden she comes in as this red threat type of thing. Uh, I loved, I loved, I loved stuff like that. So that is what I'm talking about when I speak about this being one of the most grand and beautiful movies I've seen put out by the studio because you could really see uh, them let Sam Raimi spread his wings. And it's probably just a bit of trust and a bit of familiarity. And quite frankly when these two guys met, Sam Raimi was in the seat of power versus Kevin Feige, right? So Mm -hmm. a a few of those relationship dynamics were probably still in play, which is why he got to do his thing, maybe more than somebody like a Chloe Zhao got to do hers. But um, yeah, I, when this movie was pure Sam Raimi, I absolutely loved it. I heard some criticisms about it being too horror and too scary. I, I, I don't think the, That was fair. I do kind of raise my eyebrow that they let all the blood go with a PG-13. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, you could tell by the way those shots were composed, they could have easily removed a lot of those bloody scenes. So, um, yeah, for me, that was where this movie really, really shone, was with him being allowed to do his thing. And you could tell that Doctor Strange was a character they loved, that he read and really embraced like those old Sterenko comics and it really felt like those books were coming to life. And so that was where this movie really left its mark on me. That was one of the two things, one of the yeah. two highest praises I have for this movie.
0: Well, it's funny you say about the comic book coming to life because I would say out of a lot of the movies that we've watched recently, this one, I remember sitting in the, opening scene and saying wow this feels like a comic book Mm -hmm. you hit the ground running you get a bunch of context you get a bunch of action sequences you get moving through this multi dimensional multi-verse sort of story and boom away we go and the look of it 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 just screamed comic book to me like i Mm -hmm. felt like i was flipping through a pages of a floppy on this one yeah no it, it probably had
1: the most comic book feel from an MCU movie, you know, no way home had it's really special moments that, mm. you know, nothing will touch, but probably since guardians too, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, And, you know, maybe the color factors into that and everything else, but uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Wanda because yeah. she's, she's going to be the elephant in the room. And this is the other thing that I absolutely loved that, you know, it, I, i am a bit critical of Marvel for not taking the difficult road with their movies very often. And they absolutely did it here and kudos for having a roadmap and kudos for sticking to it. When I think Wanda vision ended up being a lot more popular than they thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And that she ended up making a bigger mark uh, with an audience than they anticipated. Cause to take a character that is that popular And to make her an unequivocal and irredeemable villain was a hell of a shot. And man, bravo. Like, I thought it worked really well. She's honestly one of the best villains they've ever had in the MCU. She might actually be my favorite, to be Mm. honest with you. Like, I think it was cool. Like, I loved how unrelenting and laser focused she was on her goal and also how blind she was or willfully blind she was to the negative fallout of that. And I'm not the biggest Wanda fan coming into this thing, but I am a massive Wanda fan. Maybe a little too late because she's dead and gone, but, um, <laughs> you know, what What a way to go out. Like, I think she eclipsed Thanos for me as far as uh, impact and gravitas and... And just menace. Like, she actually felt like an unstoppable force. There was a few dumb things where it's just, like, she wipes out the Illuminati, but yet she's kind of running behind Strange and Rachel and America Chavez through these sewer, like the T-800 from the original Terminator movie. It's like, what? You can fly? You just eviscerated all these other guys but yet these sewer grates can stop you type of thing so there's a few things there's a lot of things in this movie like that where the powers and abilities were inconsistent depending on where they needed the next plot device piece to go right so she can't make up ground and stop them in a sewer but yet they get through a secret portal behind a door that nobody can open after solving the, <laughs> the lock. And boom, she's right there before this dude can even touch this book. So I'm like, hmm, okay. But all that aside, I thought Wanda, phenomenal. I loved her arc. I loved where they took it. And her climax in the movie, I thought was fantastic. How basically strange America and Wong use her motivations against her. Mm -hmm. And I love that they made her irredeemable too. Like you don't come back from that. You don't come back from wiping out all those carmatage guys. You don't come back from saying like, Oh yeah, no, the multiverse is mine so that I can be mom. Like when she goes from drops the wand facade and goes to full Scarlet Karen, like there's nothing more scary
0: in the planet. So (laughs) (laughs) Scarlet Karen. I love it. You know, (laughs) Like, what more can I say than to echo some of your thoughts there on on Wanda she was a standout this was her story much like mm-hmm. Thanos is presented in Infinity War as this being an Avengers movie that's Thanos's story the same way that this is a Doctor Strange film and it does make a lot of development moves with Doctor Strange but Wanda at the start and at the end of this are completely different characters and developed so far and they take, like you said, big risks. This is the piece that really subverted my expectations because going into mm-hmm. this, we debated it back and forth. Is Wanda the villain? Is she not? The way the trailers frame her up, maybe it looks sort of like an uneasy ally in all of this. I thought there was going to be another villain. I did not think it was going to be Wanda. And if it was Wanda, I thought we we're going to have to wait to the end of the film to find that out. But no, it's almost immediately that we're thrusted into this story where Wanda, Scarlet Witch maybe, better put, is the villain and the story is fundamentally based around her. Like, when you describe this to people, it is Wanda chasing America Chavez to get her powers to use this multiversal dimension hopping to get her children back. And Doctor Strange doesn't want her to do that. Like, that, like the movie, I don't think, is primarily centered around Doctor Strange. She becomes the hero that is stopping this villain. In the same way that we saw this in Infinity War. It is a fundamental Thanos story with the Avengers trying to stop him. And so you have a villain being the center stage of this movie. And Elizabeth Olsen absolutely murders this. I'm going to use that word. Murders this role. Because they, they take it in so many directions. I would say my only... And this might be an acting choice. But the only thing I'll pick at this is sometimes when things are happening around her. Elizabeth Olsen's expressions are much more like shock and awe when she's supposed to be this super powerful. Like there's moments there when you can see her like not so solid in her conviction. And maybe this is a little bit of Wanda poking through in those moments. That's what I'm kind of chalking this up to. But it's going to be interesting to see if Marvel tries to have his cake and eat it too, where they say, no, no, this is Scarlet Witch. Wanda's good still. Scarlet Witch is bad. And like when you're talking about the irredeemable villain, irredeemable character, is there a way to walk that back? I see them leaving the door open just to crack. Yeah, the door's open. Like she's technically dead right
1: now, but yeah, with the multiverse and magic and everything, there's a thousand ways to write her back into the oh, yeah. the universe. So uh it'll probably just all come down to how much money she needs to come back or if they mm-hmm. need to bring her back if things falter type of thing. But but with the acting, um, what did you think of some of the other performances in this movie? Because this is actually the spot where it falls down for me a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. I thought Wong, stellar. Yeah, Rachel McAdams I mean, was great. I love Sochi Gomez as America Chavez. Like, she uh, held her own against all these huge actors and acquitted herself well. She was believable in being a character and a hero that has experience and has lived through some stuff, but also uh, with presenting that naivety that comes with not knowing what her powers are, having to learn life on the ropes and just being young. And, and obviously Elizabeth Olsen was great. I, I didn't really pick up on any of the uh, awe kind of things that you were talking about, but you know, I, I wasn't that focused on some of those aspects. I don't think, but man, My man, Benedict, who's one of my favorite actors, and I I think I've watched, like, almost everything he's been in, he was kind of terrible in this. And he (laughs) took me out of the movie so often. And I don't know if it was because, like, his wig or, like, the hair dye thing made him come off kind of slappy or... If, But it really, it kind of reminded me of, and you and I talk about this all the time, like those episode three scenes where it's like, you can tell Ewan McGregor is just like, yeah, I'm tired of fighting stab droids. And he's just kind of waving the lightsaber around and letting them animate stuff in around him. I really felt like a lot of Cumberbatch's performance came off that way to me. And not so much in the acting and the spells part. I thought those were scenes that he... Did really well in like when he gets poisoned and some of the fights, but just some of the dialogue delivery and uh, exchanges with other characters like f- this was something I've never ever experienced in an MCU movie before, but people in my audience were laughing at the movie in inappropriate <laughs> times like I, I've had it happen before in other movies and been annoyed by it or whatever, but it's never happened in an MCU movie. Like this is also the first MCU movie I haven't seen on opening weekend, so crowd was a little bit less uh, invested, maybe. But uh, it it was and it was noticeable too because my wife made the comment to me and my daughter was just like, these these people were like hilarious because they were like kind of cracking wise every once in a while on things and, but a lot of it was Cumberbatch's dialogue and just how hokey it came off in some of the exchanges, like talking with America Chavez in the diner or a few of the bits uh, and exchanges with Wanda, like in the orchard grove and whatnot. So that was one of the big knocks that I had for the movie. It kind of felt like, you know, and Raimi has had this in his other, in his Spider-Man
0: movies where it's just like, what, what performance exactly are you trying to get out of this character? Yeah, So it, it for me the supporting cast like you said all great. Wong I thought this is probably his best portrayal and he's had mm-hmm. quite a bit to do in this film and he wasn't just the guy that showed up with a sling ring opened a portal and then walked back through it. He actually had a a small arc in this one where they use him as more of a solid foundation the the rock for for Doctor Strange and sochi Gomez yeah couldn't couldn't ask more out of her right she is fundamentally a plot device she is a macguffin if you will in -hmm. this movie but she does have some really great moments that she's allowed to shine in and when he shoulder to shoulder her with especially the likes of elizabeth olsen in this particular film she does really good in that end scene as they are kind of looking towards the resolution and what they can do here right because there's some impactful moments that she does facilitate towards the end that you know, she, she's there. She's present, and you don't miss her. She doesn't fade into the background. She doesn't get lost in the scenery. She is there, and she is present through the majority of this film. And so I agree with you. The supporting cast, Rachel McAdams, was was a great surprise. because I didn't expect much from her. Wedding, gone. Just mm-hmm. to say, hey, we're picking up those threads from Doctor Strange. But the fact that they put her inside of the multiverse and had her in a very useful spot, and a spot, an emotional spot, towards the end, when we're inside of the multiverse, inside of that incursion, and they they really utilize that character, I think, to great effect without actually having to pick up on some of that more love angle, that relationship angle. Like, they use that as an emotional pivot point, but it's not so much so that it is the forefront of the movie or it is the thing that Doctor Strange is motivated by. It becomes a nice side story that we do see develop, and she has some pretty cool things to do. But yeah, I would say, for me as well, Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch, was the one odd point in this film. And given that he is the title character of this film, I not only felt that it wasn't exactly his story, that he was kind of playing second fiddle, for a good chunk of the movie to Wanda. But the fact that that Benedict, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but they seem to be missing that classic character that delivers the funny stuff. And Benedict was shouldered with some of that dialogue. When it comes to the Illuminati scenes, He's kind of making fun of the guys in there. I was like, what is happening here? You're in a multiverse talking to all these guys and you're making fun of them. And the diner scene's a bit weird. It doesn't drag me out of the film ever. I will say that. But, and this may be a second viewing thing that I pick up on more, but he was the character I was less, least impressed by overall. I don't love Doctor Strange 1. Doctor Strange's character has never been an MCU character that I was overly warmed up to. And this film, although progressing his character in a really different direction for me, I think, when it comes to like what, doctor strange is i never warm up to him in this one either he is he's just a hero because i'm told he's a hero Mm -hmm. when i look at doctor strange and maybe we'll talk about this in in just a minute here when it comes to some of the more multiversal and the illuminati stuff i see like this real like anakin skywalker arc for him building out inside of the mscu where he's prophesized to be the best of us he is the sorcerer supreme at one point he is the man that is meant to to bring and do great things but he's reckless, he's flawed, and inevitably brings the end, potentially, to the MCU in, in some fashion. And then they build on that story by saying all the other Doctor Strangers are flawed. Why is this one different? I just don't think we've got there yet. The end credit scene leans into this a little bit, where Doctor Strange is going. I think, though, he
1: had his character arc, and that's why Rachel McAdams kind of carried that thread through with the Are You Happy piece. Mm-hmm. Because she kind of gives him permission and also kind of directs him to love himself and let people in type of thing, right? So she's like, and I like that they were like, yeah, I can't be that for you because I need to stay in my universe. And I love the establishment of incursions so that you can't just parachute characters from other universes into the MCU, now the 616, question mark, universe. (laughs) Um, it doesn't matter they need to erase the comic book 616 anyway so they can (laughs) stick that one on the MCU but anyways uh, I I really love that I I loved I love that progression and I actually kind of dug looking at Strange at the end through the lens of him growing as a mentor because I thought that he had progressed from how he was and how he acted around Peter Parker to Uh, Where he ended up with America Chavez, uh, particularly by the end of the the film and recognizing things within her. So I thought that was a a good little piece of writing there and good piece of growth. And then you see him interacting with Wong and being a bit more personable and not being as standoffish. And so I, I think that that was a bit of his arc built into it. So why
0: he's not going to be that I don't know, right. man. I think like both No Way Home and this movie, the common thread with Doctor Strange is something feels off. Like there's something weird about the character, and I don't know if it's the portrayal or if it's what they're building for this character. Yeah. Like, I think that I think honestly, when I say on Annika Skywalker arc, I do I do mean that. Like we'll talk about Secret Wars in a little bit, maybe, but like the the whole incursion, like he's caught, like he's on the verge of causing trillions of lives again you know what i mean like he he is a reckless character and although he does have good per- character progression when you when you bring up the point of from peter parker to america chavez and he has this internal development about the concept of being happy and letting people in but i still there's still something funny about the character to me
1: yeah but i think that's just, that's just the way they're writing him and how benedict is playing him maybe i don't know like i i kind of sense that that was her making that connection and him opening up his heart was what's going to be the catalyst for him not being the harbinger of doom for trillions of people. But who knows? Because I think the place that they really fell down was with this freaking Illuminati thing, which I ah, kind of dug. But I man, loved it. how do you waste Chewytale 4 who you established in Doctor Strange 1 with. Baron Mordor, and in that movie, he's actually kind of a sympathetic character who becomes disillusioned with Strange becoming the Sorcerer Supreme because he was the guy that bucked all the rules, didn't respect the Mystic Arts, didn't respect the teachings of the Ancient One. Whereas Mordor was very much the guy that embraced that, and you have an incredible actor in Chui Talagi for playing him. Then you kind of waste him on this glorified cameo with him bringing him in to the Illuminati. And then they have a fist fight. So Benedict Cumberbatch and Chuitel Ejiofor, that's where you're going to showcase your big fist fight. And then they fall in a hole and they leave, arguably, (laughs) one of the best actors working in a hole. And I was like, ah, I think they could have done something really interesting with having him come along for the ride and being a bit of a... Like almost that role that Loki played in Thor the Dark World, but where maybe this Mordor is a benevolent force type of thing. And I think you could have got more juice and told a stronger story by using that character more.
0: I think you sacrificed Rachel McAdams and, and Wong's character to do that, though. Like what you get out of them, you'd have to, or to get more out of Baron Mordo, you need to get less out of those two, I think. And so you sacrifice that end of things. I'm hoping that Mordo is saved for a third Doctor Strange film where he becomes something different or bigger for that. Because you're right, this is a glorified cameo of a villain that they teased in the end credit scene of Doctor Strange 1. And so he is on the back burner probably because of this story and how they wanted to tell it and when they wanted to tell it. Mm-hmm. M- mordo is a casualty of this multiversal through line that they've put through the last couple of films yeah but then why have them right just do you because do a commercial y- you too? can <laughs> realistically because you can right and yeah. it does i think put a little bit of story connectivity between dr strange showing up in this new universe and saying let's go here oh i'm dead who's there mordo someone he can maybe trust a little bit more fundamentally and kind of brings him to the Illuminati and to the point where you get there. Right. So he becomes again, a mechanism of the plot to get him to the Illuminati scene, which come on, we have to talk about this a little bit, this Illuminati scene. So there's lots of leaks and stuff. So I kind of accidentally knew most of this, at least the characters that were showing up, um, unfortunately, but I really dug this scene because I don't think, and this is my opinion I don't think they stopped the movie for 20 minutes and said, we are going to insert the Illuminati, build the next three films of multiversal shenanigans, and then leave it hanging and not have anything happen inside of it that directly affects the film. I think they use this scene, yes, for cameos, yes, for a little fun. But to me, it shows two things. It builds on this kind of character arc of Doctor Strange being this reckless, flawed individual, but also shows what a badass Wanda is, how powerful she is. Like, how do you underscore how powerful Wanda is more than taking out characters that we know, we know their power sets, we know how... You know what I mean? Like, I think that they use that scene to really prop her up in a very important way.
1: Yeah, no, I, I didn't mind it at all. In fact, that was... Like, my favorite part of the whole movie, although I think the the more baller move would have been to use James McAvoy, was Professor X. Like, to have my boy Chuck roll out with the X-Men animated series, Yellow mm-hmm. Chair, and, like, the theme song playing in the background, Green Jacket, that blue and black striped tie. Amazing. And then that he goes and he fights her on the astral plane and finds Wanda kind of buried in the rocks and being so held cool. captive. Like that was awesome. Like I, I'm an X-Men guy all day long and that, that was cool. Uh Yeah. the I, I agree with you on the Illuminati. Like it, it worked to move the story mm-hmm. forward and connected in what they were telling. Right. So like really you have that scene in the movie regardless. And if you're not going to use it for like to have some fun and have the cameos, then are you just going to have that Earth's version of the Avengers that we all know anyways yeah. in there. So you have Bruce Banner and Steve Rogers and blah, 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 blah. Like, why not just change it up a bit? And it's Very cool. Yeah. It, it was a quick and easy way to do it. I really liked that they used Maria Rambeau uh, in there as Captain Marvel. Like, gave her some agency and made her badass. I thought Peggy Carter was cool.
0: Yeah.
1: She probably so. should. Yeah. She should have been taken out way faster. Like, mm. when Wanda can erase Black Bolt's mouth. With yeah. a thought and see that's the thing, like that's the sewer thing. It's like you erase Bolt's smolt and blew up his head and then turned Mr. Fantastic into spaghetti. However, you're T eight hundred down the sewer and you can't catch him because their feet hurt.
0: Well, and some of this might be this is where I think you get a little bit of the, the multi or the MCU puppeteering in this, right? Yeah. You want the Captain Marvel and you want Peggy Carter, which I'm assuming we're gonna see some version of them down the road. Um, especially Peggy Carter. like There's, there's got to be something more there with Haley Atwell being as popular as she is. She was probably one of the standouts from What If. You get her here. You want to display and showcase those characters where mm-hmm. the Black Bolt, again, I, I had no clue that it was the same actor that was portrayed him in that awful inhuman show. That he comes back and gets a little redemption. Little redemption. He gets actually put in the Black Bolt suit. Oh, and...
1: man. Yeah. My my boy Anson Mount, like Captain Pike, you got to put some respect on that guy's name. So, yeah, I I really like I adore Anson Mount as like just a dude. I think he's a super cool guy and love him in Star Trek. So that he got a bit of redemption and he looked cool in the Black oh, Bolt man, suit. So cool. And uh, yeah, but honestly, and I don't know what it was. That Krasinski,
0: Mr. Fantastic, kind of fell on its face for me. It did. It did. And I'll say this as a big John Krasinski fan and one that really wants to play Mr. Fantastic. I felt like he recorded that in a green room in his house somewhere. Like he was unfortunately stiff and it, it, it landed because of the fanboy inside of me. But taking a large step back. I don't know what it was, if it was the dialogue, if it was his delivery, it, it definitely did not have the same impact that I had hoped it would seeing Krasinski for the first time in this. And maybe it's so abrupt and you're trying to process a lot of things, but it was the most wooden out of all of them. Like Atwell was stellar. She got very few lines, but she came across great. Mm -hmm. Um, Maria Rambeau, she was awesome. Yeah, the it was cool. It was like s- so fanservicey that it like had this stupid grin on my face. But there was something a little off about it. I will agree with you. I don't want to agree with you, but I have to.
1: Yeah, it was just there was something weird about it. like, and I I immediately thought back like as I'm watching the movie, and this is bad. But I remember years ago, and I think it was Uncle Marty, like Martin Scorsese, talking to an actor who didn't get a role that he auditioned for. He's like, why didn't I get the role? And he said, cause you're a TV actor. And he goes, well, mm. what is that supposed to mean? And he's like, there's tons of guys that make the transition from TV to the big screen or big screen guys that come and work uh, in television. And he's like, no, it's not that there's like a level of gravitas and a volume that you need to be able to convey on the big screen. And you don't got it, man. Like, to be honest, like, former Batman George Clooney is probably guilty of this as well. And he's done lots of great movies, mm-hmm. but he's never the best actor in those movies with his mm-hmm. head tilt, head Bob type of thing that he does all the time. And it's just like, yeah, man, that works on ER, but in the peacemaker, <laughs> or maybe that's a bad example. because <laughs> or three Kings, but he he gets there eventually, but it took him like 15 years yeah. to be able to get there. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what it was, but, it, it went over like a lead balloon. Like Ants yeah. and out outacting him and not saying anything.
0: Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it, it'll it be interesting to see because apparently there is some rumor swirling that at SDCC this year, they're going to announce the cast for the Fantastic Four. And so whether Krasinski gets that role or they go in a completely different direction, this was just Kevin Feige fan service. Let's have a little fun with this. Let's present this because it's been out there for so long on the internet. Let's do this. And so... I think this Illuminati scene lands. And when you contextualize it against all of the multiverse that they do use in this, they, in my opinion, and I'd love to hear yours on this one, I find that they were very reserved with the multiverse. This being kind of the moment where the multiverse really blows up. But everything else is pretty subtle. It's strange and strange interaction. It is done inside of an incursion. They don't do a whole bunch. And like you mentioned before, establishing a mechanism like an incursion, which is read Jonathan Hickman's run on Avengers and New Avengers from, I think, 2013 through 15. It does a lot of this incursion stuff, and it becomes a big plot point for the multiverse. Again, it's a mechanism to keep the cap on all of this, mm-hmm. which I like. And so I found that the use of the multiverse, although the expectation was it's going to be huge, Like, they could have had another 30 minutes on this movie to match the runtime of some of the other MCU films, and it could have all been multiversal shenanigans. They did not do that. They found themselves taking that point, using it where they had to to progress the story, but not using it to set up the next four films inside of the MCU.
1: Yeah, no, it it definitely deserves kudos for keeping things tight and just laser-focused, like you said. Uh, And actually, like, they built right into the movie. America Chavez always took them exactly where they needed to be and to who they needed to be with. And it was typically a version of Doctor Strange Mm -hmm. and the people surrounding him. So, yeah, and you're bang on in that this could have been the catalyst for setting up all sorts of things, and it could have been cameo fest. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, kudos on them for keeping it as tight as they did and for making the Illuminati an integral part of it. Because, like I said... You could have stripped off the title of the Illuminati and just had it been like these are the Avengers yeah. and you just have that. But why not? Like it was cooler that it was the Illuminati. I thought it was cool with the versions of the characters that they used. And yeah, like I, I, I do compliment them for how tight they kept it and how I'm sure there's loads of Easter eggs in there, but at the same time, um, they're just that they're just yep. Easter eggs so that they could kind of move things forward and keep the story um, somewhat digestible for the uninitiated audience.
0: Yeah. Well, the other good thing, the last point here on the Illuminati before we move on is that it wasn't a multiversal Illuminati. It was a single universe Illuminati. So then again, it keeps this very tight. If this was the what is it and what if the guardians of the multiverse or whatever where mm-hmm. this becomes such a huge and broad spanning story the fact that they said no this is like you said basically this this version of the illuminati is akin to the avengers in the mcu prime this is just a group that's gotten together to make hard decisions nick fury just said the same thing about the avengers right we'll bring them together to do the things that no one else can do effectively the same thing different version different characters different universe. And so th- that piece of it cuz when we watched the trailer it was like, "Wow, well, this is the un- the multiversal Illuminati and they're controlling literally everything." No, it's just it's one universe's version of kind of you know pulling the strings in the background here. So I really like that aspect too. Like keeping this very very tight was so important, I think, for the future of the MCU because you unscrew that lid and everything pops off, and it becomes very difficult to tell serious stories with stakes inside of them. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. So, what did you think of where the movie ended
1: off, and you know, the conclusion of the film and that end credit scene, and where this opens the door for the future of the MCU and Doctor well, Strange?
0: I think putting a a somewhat ambiguous end to wanda here i think it works right the the moment the emotional moment that that we talked about just briefly earlier where they kind of end wanda's story where she has this almost this multiversal look at herself in a mirror where she's come where she's going her children being afraid of her this is her biggest fear in life and she has that realization that is that she is wrong and so it's such a cool way that you don't have The hero of the movie, Doctor Strange, you know, he facilitates the defeat in a way, but he isn't actually the one doing it, right? He is not, it's not a punchy punch fest or whatever, right? He's not beating her with magic. It is her own realization that actually leads to her defeat. And so I love the way that they end the villain arc in this movie. It makes perfect sense. It fits what they're doing. It does rely a lot on WandaVision, though. Like, Mm -hmm. that's one of the things of this movie, which maybe is lending to the B plus cinema score when it comes to recommendation and these type of things is that I could see people walking into this, not having watched WandaVision, missing that emotional piece of what she's gone through in Westview in that six episode series and not having the same satisfaction with the ending of her arc and the way that she finishes this story. Like, do you still have that emotional connection to, to Tommy and Billy if you don't even know the vision story, they don't mention really vision that much in this, right? So her arc is about loss through the whole MCU. But if you didn't watch one vision, you're missing a piece of it.
1: Yeah. Like, Tommy and Billy were super annoying in this movie. So maybe it's better if, <laughs> if you're missing that, like, and I usually, I'm usually the guy like defending the child actors, but I don't holy like children. smokes, love children, not children actors. <laughs> they were super cheese and just, ugh, terrible. <laughs> they were awful. But, uh, yeah, I, like I said, uh, at, the beginning of the show, like I really commend where they took Wanda on this journey and whatnot. Uh I kind of like the story that they told with Doctor Strange too. Like, as clunky as Cumberbatch's acting was, especially through the end of that movie, um, it, it worked and they got you someplace. I really love the cliffhanger ending that they stopped the movie with, mm-hmm. with the third eye opening after the dark hole, and you don't know what's happening and are things resolved? Are they not resolved? Has he become the threat? And they kind of did Sam Raimi dirty by having a post credit scene. where it's like, that, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. So he just had a headache in the middle of the crosswalk there. But, you know, three hours, three days, three weeks, three months later, he's, he's just fine. Mm-hmm. And then here's Clea. And off we go with a smile and a wink. Mind you, I would follow Charlize Theron through any portal that she <laughs> wants to take me through as well. But, uh I don't know, like it, the post-credits scene really cut the f- legs off of that
0: ending, which was kind of cool and kind of different and bold. Yeah. So, it, It's different and bold, I think is the right way to put it. I don't know if I loved the way that Doctor Strange kind of walked out there. It, it felt like very like Mr. Rogers-esque. He's walking down with the scarf and then boom, something happens, right? Which, sure, I'm okay with that at the end of the day because i don't like i find dr strange as we've talked about his arc is probably the most confusing and maybe that will benefit a third dr strange film or wherever they're going with them because they're clearly going further with his character and like the third eye and all that so there's definitely wor- they leave you with a lot of work or they leave themselves with a lot of work to do with dr strange and so his ending feels abrupt and maybe that's on purpose and maybe that's a raimi thing sure but this end credit scene i had a google i had no idea who that was when oh, when okay. she came storming out like i was like don't know i kind of i couldn't put my finger on exactly who the actress was either and but she comes through and slices open and says let's go we got an incursion to solve and he just says "Yep, yeah, sure let's do it which that's cool for me but I was kind of confused at the end of the day, and it doesn't take anything away from the film at all. It's the post credit scene. I do see, though, how it does step on the ending. But the big thing for me, it's and this goes to where I think they're taking Doctor Strange, is they immediately say, you've caused an incursion that is about to kill everybody in one universe. Let's go solve that. And he hops through, and here we go. And it leaves you in a, in a place where you're starting to think, okay, like are they doing... Secret Wars? Like is that where the MCU is going? Is this moment the next saga's Avengers 1 Thanos moment when you first see him? Is is that part of this? Like that's where it kind of left me with with the well, end scene.
1: Yeah, no, and like maybe it's just cuz I'm a bit more familiar with the subject material, but like she's Dormammu's niece and you actually see him through the rip. Oh, do you? Yeah, so I just assume that it had something to do with Dormammu shenanigans tying back to the first movie
0: okay or because yeah I, I kind of saw it as more of like the incursion story that they're gonna tell and that eventually leading to if, you, if any if you've read Jonathan Hickman's run on Avengers New Avengers and eventually into Secret Wars in 2015, this is exactly what happens is you got a bunch of incursions happening all at once and you end up with a universe that is, is it's an earth that is a patchwork of a whole bunch of different universes that are split into like countries. So I don't think they're exactly going there, but I think they could be using the incursions for a bigger story that might fold into a Kang story or whatever down the road. But um yeah, it was just it was just a very abrupt scene. It, it's but that's what they're for, right? They're supposed to kind of shock you out of your out of your seat and kind of seed something else without having to do that like if she had to show up in the middle of the film when we spent 15 minutes trying to figure out who she was that to me is misplaced this year it works for me
1: yeah
0: it was it,
1: i don't know i, I kind of liked the ending so mm-hmm. when it <laughs> walks over it to set up the next thing i'm like ah. and it's then con- like i was a confusing that, piece right yeah. like it's like wait what what how did these two things connect <laughs> totally When also more so probably my annoyance was compounded by how terrible that final credit scene was with Bruce Campbell. It's like, oh,
0: man, I hate those
1: ones where it's like nine minutes. Like,
0: yeah, just I sat here waiting to see some cosmic connection to the your next film. And it's Bruce Campbell punching himself and staring at the screen telling us it's over. Like, was this meant to be a painful experience for us? yeah maybe i don't know i don't know
1: for some folks this movie was a painful experience it seems
0: i like i just just to cap that i don't understand that like to me this this is a good film and maybe we can use this as a as a way to leapfrog into our our final letter grades for this film so carlos where are you taking this one yeah so you you said it's a good film i don't
1: think it was. Um, I like the movie overall, but I very much feel that they wrote the story around plot points and set pieces that they wanted to have in the movie. And then Cumberbatch's performance was just what it was. So that kind of dragged the whole affair down. The two things that really elevated the movie, however. So I always try and take out the one element that I really liked and would this movie still work. If you take Sam Raimi out of this movie and you just have it with a journeyman type director like they typically like to hire, this movie is unwatchable for me. But Sam Raimi elevates the whole affair to another level to the point that I feel like I got my money's worth out of it. And then I give them massive props for taking Wanda on the journey that they did and, you know, mm-hmm. taking their shot into making her the villain. So with that, I think it probably pulls my grade up to be in at kind of that B, B minus level. Uh, I'll give them a nod for the B because I love some of the little horror bits that, you know, Raimi got into the movie that. Probably nobody else could, but yeah, if I'm going to compare this against like another movie, like the Northman or whatever, it's, it's not a good movie or even, you know, I went and saw a multiverse movie two weeks ago with everything everywhere all at once. And that was a good movie, like a solid story with emotional character arcs and, um, really powerful moving themes. This was not that so
0: interesting it's it's funny that you know you you talk that through that and you know I I feel some of it but not all of it like it's interesting with the point about Sam Raimi I think to me you get another stylistic director in here and the movie feels the same I I just don't have that same connection to Sam Raimi that that a lot of people do and like his and maybe that's my my lack of film education on other things he's done because I I just I'm not feeling like this was as big of a Raimi experience as everyone else's and that's probably up to to just me I see this as a a solid entry into the MCU I see this story you take out Raimi and you shove in someone else a Peyton Reed or something like that yeah maybe you don't have some of those more standout visual moments but I think you get relatively the same story put to screen um, and maybe that speaks a little bit to how you're writing around set pieces or you're writing around particular moments, and then you're infilling, the, the infill oh, yeah. is more Raimi. You get the same
1: story, yeah. but it's told at a significantly poorer level without somebody like a Raimi bringing those special things to the movie that are unique to him, right? Mm-hmm. So I like the the story, in fact, I think there was an interview with him saying like, the story is
0: the story that you're going to get like you and I could go in and direct that he, movie. You and... didn't even watch Wanda, Like He said <laughs> yeah. that every, he's like, I kind of know the gist of it, but I never watched it. Right. And that like, that is like the core, like that is the, the starting point for your whole villain. And like the core to her emotional journey in this is to what is motivating her in such a, a, a like a visceral way. And the like, guy never even watched it. <laughs> so at, at the end of the day though, i I enjoyed this film i had fun in the theater i had fun with the multiverse stuff the illuminati was great still don't love strange love what they did with wanda how they progressed Mm -hmm. her and how it was her story so we're not actually that far off i was bouncing between a b and a b plus and i'm probably gonna stick this at at a b to be honest with you so (laughs) coming at it from two different angles and we kind of land on the same letter grade, which is, which is very interesting. I think yours might be a bit high. I would say that you, given if I'm going to listen to you, I'd probably put you closer to a B minus, but Hey man, it's your letter grade. Yeah.
1: But well, it is what it is. Like I, I go into everything wanting to love it type of thing. And there, mm. there are things that I really genuinely love. Like, yeah. like I said, like that music fight, amazing. And yes, there's some just
0: standout moments in this and it it works. And I think like another thing that I do really like about it is it did not go overboard with the multiverse. And yes. The the sub two hour runtime, when it ended, I was like, wow, like that felt brisk. Like they did a lot in this movie, mm-hmm. but there's no fluff in it. Like at like there's maybe a little bit, but there's not much fluff. Like you don't really get a ton of time to breathe in this movie. Right? There's no like big pauses where we have a lot of contextualization just big dialogue dumps trying to explain things to you they kind of do it all on the fly mm-hmm. which which makes it feel like a pretty swift film like I, I would imagine there's not a ton on the cutting room floor on this one imagine Raimi shot the film he wanted to shoot well yeah you just look at the visuals and like that stuff is so expensive
1: to to start mm-hmm. putting together that I think yeah they had that movie pretty solidly outlined right and storyboarded storyboarded again storyboarded a third time put together with animatics and then once they were sure as to what they wanted the film to be like
0: they started their process type of thing so Mm -hmm. which is cool very very cool well there it is guys two bees from the nerve room here for dr strange in the multiverse of madness we hope you guys have enjoyed this review of this big mcu film we got some big films coming up here in the not too distant future including thor love and thunder dc superhero pets i keep messing that up but black adam this year maybe wakanda forever so there's a lot a lot of films to talk about this year and this is just kind of getting us started coming out of the gates hot with the batman and maybe cool it a little bit here with the Multiverse of Madness. But we'll see what these franchises can throw in front of us in the no, not too man. distant future.
1: Michael Morbius stunk up the joint. Like, I don't even like, count that. I don't count that, man. This thing was the godfather compared to that movie. So <laughs>
0: that, that movie just – I still haven't seen it. It's not on my radar. Because when you think of things – and this is why Sony, I think, if I'm going to go off a t- small tangent here – is not doing well with their their building up of their universe and making sure people know it's connected. The fact that this can do almost a $200 million opening cuz people see a connection to Spider-Man no way home, but they felt that there was no need to go see Morbius. There's a problem there with how Sony's linking things up. Like that is a fundamental problem with what they're doing there. It- Anyways, that is for another podcast because we got to wrap this one up, guys. If you'd like to Give us your thoughts on Dr. Strange 2. You can always email us at nerdm at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over at the nerdroom.net. The hunt is real, and it's over on Instagram. You can hit us up there at the NerdRM. YouTube, we've got lots of stuff going up there. There's a short figure review from Ian on Dr. Strange, a classic version of him, some Star Wars stuff, some Marvel stuff, some DC stuff all over the place there. So go over there for some supplemental toy content and Twitter. You can find our handles at the end of the episode if you'd like to hit us up and question some of the things that we discussed here so feel free to do that and also use the hashtag we the nerd so for this review carlos and for all the ones coming down the pipe for the nerd room i'm tim and i'm batman and thank you so much for entering the nerd room. this has been a nerd room podcast production you can find our hosts tim troy Sanjay, and carlos on twitter at the nerd rm troy the boy 87 sunjabi and CDN, Caped, Crusade, R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out the Nerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.